0: Hello, Natalie Sawyer here. Something special for you today is we're giving you an edition of the new daily podcast from The Times and The Sunday Times. It's called Stories of Our Times and is presented by Manveen Rana. It comes out every day and focuses on one story per episode, including this one, which looks at the Cheltenham Festival and whether it should have gone ahead this year. Have a listen and let us know what you think. I hope you like it. And if you do, be sure to subscribe and rate it. Just search for Stories of our times on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or your usual podcast app. The Cheltenham Festival, just days before lockdown, was one of the racing calendar's most anticipated weeks of the year.
1: It's a little bit like Christmas for us, really, you know. The town itself and all the local villages and the pubs, they're, they're all geared up for it. It's a fantastic time of year.
0: A quarter of a million people attended, but as a shadow of coronavirus was creeping across the country... Should they have been there at all?
1: The racing
2: world can accuse of often being in a bit of a bubble, but I can assure you it was the topic of conversation at all times.
0: Was the government slow off the mark? Did events, such as the Cheltenham Festival, help the virus to spread across the country? As pressure mounts for an independent inquiry, we talked to four people who were there on the day of the
1: Gold Cup. At the end of the day, no one was actually forced to go to Cheltenham. If you were 75 and you're asthmatic and you went to Cheltenham, well, you know, that would have been a bit of a silly thing to do.
0: You're listening to Stories of Our Times, from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, off to the races? Hold your horses. cheltenham it's day four it's gold (laughs) cup day how exciting
2: guys we're looking out on it now it's everybody's just sort of arriving and getting set up this is so special today isn't it harry this is just amazing i mean look at the view out there look at the the atmosphere here today's going to be incredible
0: cheltenham is one of the biggest fixtures in the horse racing calendar months of preparation and mounting excitement for one of the racing world's favorite events you can sense it in the paddocks amongst the jockeys and the trainers
1: the road to Cheltenham always fantastic for us. I live uh, roughly about 12 miles from the track and compared to even before I started training myself nine years ago, it's, it's like the build-up to Christmas, really. you know, it's, it's just such a big deal. It's
0: there in the rapturous enthusiasm of the commentary box.
1: Cheltenham has been in my
2: blood since a small child. So for me, in terms of my first sporting memories, a lot was built around going to Cheltenham. And more importantly, from a sporting perspective, it really rocks my boat.
0: And you feel it in the stands, amongst the seasoned race watchers. I think everybody enjoys
3: Cheltenham quarter of a million every year over four days. So there is something definitely special about Cheltenham. I mean, you get there in the morning, and you know the f- quite famous Cheltenham roar on the first day is, um, is something a little bit special.
4: My name is Anna Gilda. I am a milliner from London. Could you just tell us a bit about what a milliner does and, you know, how you go about the process of
0: designing hats for races? Do people come to you? Do they show you their outfit? How does it work?
4: Yeah, usually I ask people to bring their outfit or send picture and I'm asking, you know, how brave they are, how Big and bold. They want their hat because some people want hat just to obey dress code, you know. And they asking for something small and simple, just to go with guidelines. And some people saying, you know, I want my hat to be seen from space. (laughs) It must be really exciting part of the year. I think it's great. Ascot, Epsom, Goodwood. We usually visit maybe ten races in a season. Cheltenham was my first time ever because usually it's false on my son's birthday, so I'm never able to go, but this year it's uh, my chance to go finally. The races
0: took place in the second week of March, just under a fortnight before Britain officially went into lockdown. The government advice was that the event could go ahead, but was the advice correct? On the race course, it didn't seem to matter. For many racing aficionados, the build-up to the Cheltenham Gold Cup was all about the horses.
2: My name is Rupert Bell, a regular contributor to Talk Sport, covering racing, golf and tennis.
0: What were you expecting from this year's event? I mean, what was the build-up like?
2: Obviously, from a sporting perspective, it was very much as usual. The anticipation around all the big races, whether it be the Stairs Hurdle, Paisley Park coming back to try and win again, Album Photo trying to defend his Cheltenham Gold Cup crown, it is the big climax meeting of the jump season and it's one that's so eagerly anticipated right even from the sort of early days of winter back in October everything gears up to Cheltenham and the build-up was very much business
1: as usual as far as that was concerned my name is Fargal O'Brien I am 47 nearly 48 and I'm a racehorse trainer
0: what were you hoping for from this festival did you think you might have a winner
1: well, you're, you're honestly, you're always, if you win one of the nice races at Chepstow, like Jarvis Plate did, then you're always thinking, you know, where can we run in November? Where can we run at Christmas? And then how do we get to Cheltenham? So if you, if you think you've got a nice horse, the run up can be months long, you know. And sometimes you get there and sometimes you don't. But, you know, we've been fairly lucky, although I haven't had a festival winner, we've been very lucky in the fact that um, we've had a few placed horses and we've had plenty of runners there. Someone always told me that you, you need a lot of luck to have a festival winner. You need your own luck and you need a little bit of someone else's luck. And, and that's very true.
4: Meanwhile, Cheltenham Racecourse has asked
0: racegoers not to attend next week's festival if they show any symptoms of the illness. Organisers say they are confident the meat will... So there's this massive build-up. It's one of the biggest highlights of the racing calendar. And yet this year, it's slightly unusual suddenly there's the shadow of coronavirus hanging over everything. How much did you understand about what that meant before the event?
2: I think in terms of, like everybody, we were, I suppose, in the early stages of really getting to grips. And yes, there was a bit of a debate going ahead: would Cheltenham take place? And I know from speaking to organisers, you know, they were at pains to point that they were always being led by government advice, and they would do their best to conform to anything
1: that they would have to do in that week of the festival they put extra hand sanitizers around the place there was a feeling at the time maybe that the government wanted to spread it a little bit to maybe get a bit of herd immunity so that's why they put in extra loo
2: facilities just generally tried to make it easy people to uh, sort of maintain the, the levels of hygiene that people were expected
0: Sporting governing bodies and broadcasters are also meeting with ministers to discuss how the virus will impact future sporting events.
3: I think it is a little premature to be talking about cancelling or postponing sporting events. It's perfectly safe for people to be going to those events. The advice may change at some subsequent point, but we are some way away from that if it happens.
2: Clearly, as the week developed, things began to change. The severity of the situation became increasingly apparent. But at no stage did people think that it was going to be called off. Bearing in mind that week, there were Six Nations matches going on. There were football matches. Stereophonics were in Cardiff for a couple of sold-out gigs. So I didn't really think that there was anything too serious in terms of Stopping the event at that stage because it felt that's what the government were quite happy with for it to go ahead.
3: My name's Rick Broadbent, I'm um, a sports writer at the Times. Been uh, 20 years now covering all sorts of sports, and Cheltenham is one of my regulars. Go every year.
0: What was it like in the run up to the event this year? Was it quite different?
3: It was, I mean, there was obviously. I mean, one of the stories that I'd covered beforehand was the postponement, as it turned out, rather than cancellation, the World Indoor Athletics Championships. It was that week when everything began, started to get cancelled or postponed in terms of sporting events. There's unconfirmed reports that Liverpool could be handed the title following the temporary suspension of the Premier League in reaction The London Marathon got cancelled, the Masters Golf got cancelled, and then Premier League Football got cancelled.
1: Euro 2020 has been postponed until next summer because of
3: coronavirus. Football- During those five days, I think there was a an escalation and things, but I think a lot of people were concerned beforehand. I I, I was concerned beforehand. On that first day, it did feel like you were in a bit of a petri dish, I thought, given what you were reading.
0: Did you worry about going to to cover it?
3: Blase is the right word, but you you do, as a journalist, just tend to go where you're told to go and what the stories are. Um, It was a little bit like this before the Olympics in Rio in 2016 when there was the Zika virus sort of scare and people were slightly anxious about that but um i think if it had been a week later i would have probably had more conversations with them um, the desk and what have you but um as i say i think that week changed everything
0: and you talked about the hand sanitizers and the extra loo facilities but can you remember walking around the stands and, and the course were they different normal? were you seeing people wearing masks or any of that
2: no no there was nothing nothing like that
1: no no, no, not, not that I saw, you know. All that we could see differently was signs up saying, you know, wash your hands. And from my point of view, a hand in my heart, you know, it was just like a normal Cheltenham for us, you know.
0: For many at Cheltenham, coronavirus was just a distant headline that affected people in a different world. They barely noticed it. One of the strangest things about looking into this story has been how completely different people's experiences were. I've spoken to racehorse owners and trainers who suffered bad cases of the virus after the festival. But they won't talk about it, because they're afraid of tarnishing Cheltenham's reputation. But even at the time, there were racegoers who clearly didn't feel safe.
4: My hat was uh, designed to go with my coat, because I was worried I'm going to be cold. So I had pink coat with black buttons, and the hat was pink with black feathers to match my coat. How did you end up
0: amending your outfit? Because pictures of, of how you looked went went viral, they went all over the place.
4: Yeah, basically a few weeks before we started uh, worried a little bit because the news of corona started breaking up and we were talking with my friends, should we go, should we not go, is it going to be cancelled or is it not going to be cancelled? But the last night before I decided no. I'm, I'm kind of worried because I had pneumonia a few times in my life before. And I said, no, I'm going to wear a mask. And I decided to make shiny lips on my mask so it doesn't look too grim. And when you arrived wearing your mask, how did people react? Lots of people were looking and pointing fingers, which was, you know, very strange. But some were coming and saying, this looks great or this is amazing or can we take a picture with you? Most of the people reacted in a positive way. They were saying, "Well done, good idea." Uh, some were coming and saying, "What an idiot! Take your mask off or go home." Really? There was few, yes, yes. We were taking photos with the friends, and somebody sneezed, really big sneeze, right on us, and it uh, wasn't it wasn't nice. And that moment, I thought, you know, I'm happy. I'm wearing mask right now.
0: Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday go by. 60,000 racegoers are pouring through Cheltenham's gates every day. Around the racetrack, there are still no serious concerns about the advancing virus. But come Thursday...
3: I've got to be clear, we've all got to be clear, this is the worst public health crisis for a generation.
0: The Prime Minister holds the first of his coronavirus briefings.
3: And I, I must level
2: with you, level with the, the British public... Um, More families, uh, many more families, are going to lose loved ones. I do remember on the Thursday at five o'clock, all of us huddled around television in the press room watching, I think, uh, Boris Johnson's statement at the time while a race was going on. It was, I suppose, the seminal moment when suddenly the mood changed and we knew from there on in we were going to be heading into these very unusual times.
0: What was the atmosphere like in the room? What was the reaction to the speech when it was over?
2: My immediate reaction was I then had to go on air and do something else. So how I felt, I just thought, well, okay, I know I'm racing tomorrow. I'll just deal with the short term. What it meant in terms of the long term, it's hard to think beyond that. Uh, Bearing in mind, I was supposed to be heading off to Dubai to cover some racing 10 days later. Then obviously we had the Grand National coming up. So from a racing perspective, it was a a big time of year. But then it was once it all finished that began the, I suppose, the reality of the situation struck home that this was going to be a a change of lifestyle for all and sundry.
0: Were you worried about getting ill while you were there? Did you you feel like it was a real problem?
4: Oh, absolutely. I was yeah, I was worried, I was worried. I watched only three, three races, I think, and then I decided it's time to, to go home because I, I was I was still in the back of my mind. I was worried about, you know, virus and spreading. I didn't eat or drink anything because I didn't want to take my mask off.
3: I think everybody was aware of it and then it depended on what your attitude to that awareness was. But, I mean, there is another side to Cheltenham which is it is a monumental booze-up. There was a slight sort of flippancy, I thought, in some areas about it. I mean, for instance, the England rugby team had played a Six Nations match, I think on the Saturday before Cheltenham. Their following week's fixture was cancelled because it was against Italy, which was further down into their pandemic. And some of those England players turned up to Cheltenham. So their game was cancelled, but instead of sort of... Resting at home, they thought. Well, let's go horse racing, and so they they went there. So I think that gives an idea of how serious people were taking it or or weren't taking it at that time.
2: Good morning, six seventeen. The sun is just coming out, and it's looking absolutely crisp. Uh, racing goes ahead today at Cheltenham. So if you're on your way down
1: or you're planning to come down
0: at the moment, a series of cancellations had rocked the sporting world, and concerns for Cheltenham were mounting. But despite everything, the festival cantered towards its final day and Cheltenham's most famous race, the Gold Cup.
3: The way it was escalating, there on that Friday, the last Friday, Gold Cup Day, I mean, the Masters, which is the biggest golf event of the year, was postponed in the morning, maybe even a couple of hours before the Gold Cup. Wales rugby game against Scotland, which had due to be played on the Saturday, finally got postponed as well. The London Marathon got moved that day as well. So Friday was the day where everything seemed to be um, really changing.
2: My first sporting memory is Arkel, the great legendary Arkell, winning the second of his Gold Cups in 1964, watching on a black and white TV. So for me, the Gold Cup is, is a day that has great sporting memories. But going there this year, seeing the possibility of album photo winning a second Gold Cup in 1964. That was Arca winning his second. You know, very few horses have done that since then. A bow, just coming under a bit of pressure, but Album Photo is going sweetly, so Santini. Nicoda it was a terrifically full-blooded, full-blooded contest with every horse and rider straining every sinew, which is what you expect. It's a demanding race, three mile, two furlongs, over two circuits of Presbury Park. And then when they're coming round the corner, and I'm commentating for talk Sport, I knew I was watching a really decent horse race. You you knew you were watching something great going on. Album photo is at that, and head down now, coming to the hill, picking up Santini, lost in giving his Santini. And then Album Photo finds a way of battling up the hill against you know Santini and the other horses who were left in the race. It made it um, a wonderful moment. Album Photo. Has
0: won back to
2: back, and after it, race you just go, phew, that was good. And I was delighted to have the chance to call it uh, and see it firsthand. With the noise, the crowd right around me at the time made it um, just like any Gold cup. One of my sporting highlights of the year.
0: A sporting highlight, certainly. But, as it turns out, the Cheltenham Gold Cup may also prove to be one of the last big sporting events of the year within ten days of the Gold cup's climax, the whole country was in lockdown. So should it have gone ahead?
3: The advice was still very much mass gatherings do not pose that much of a threat of transmission, and I think, albeit to the sort of a layperson including myself, that seemed. Slightly incomprehensible that it wouldn't pose a, a risk, and you know you didn't have to look very hard to see problems. I mean, the Cheltenham's own, own MP was self-isolating during Cheltenham. You had people like Jeremy Hunt saying the clock was ticking, and there was the article in the Lancet, you know, where um, there was suggestion that the government was playing Russian roulette with people um, by having these mass gatherings. So obviously, we covered the Gold Cup as normally as we would as a great sporting event. But yeah, I was um, writing about whether we would come to regret this decision and I think my last line was something along the lines of we won't know for some time how many losers there were at Cheltenham this year and we probably won't.
0: The train is now approaching. Junction and platform. Passengers.
1: Airport, please stay on board. Next stop, road station.
0: iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with
1: Absolutely no sense to me whatsoever that the government would actively encourage quarter of a million people to amass in very tight groups at the Cheltenham Vessel.
4: I've just been in the Cheltenham bubble. I've been in this brilliantly beautiful bubble where sport's gone ahead, which I think was the right call.
1: At the same time, Liverpool played Atletico Madrid.
4: Everybody's been taking the necessary precautions. We're in a big open space here and we've been able to really enjoy top class sport as
2: the racing world can accuse of often being in a bit of a bubble, but I can assure you it was the topic of conversation at all times outside the racing chat. I think on the Friday, people knew that this was probably going to be the, the last hurrah.
4: When I came home, we went into isolation. I haven't actually left uh, my home since that day I was worried. As I thought I need, I need to stay home for two weeks. Ten, about ten days later, the whole country went into quarantine.
0: And so did you end up self-isolating with your whole
4: family? Uh, yeah, uh, my husband was still working for another week, but my kids, yes, I kept them at home. Do you think it should have gone ahead? Uh, I think it shouldn't. I think it shouldn't. I don't think it was the right thing to do to go
0: after Cheltenham was over, sort of in the weeks since, do you know of people who've got ill after they were there?
1: Um, yeah, a few people. My landlord got ill from coronavirus, where I trained, Ravenswell Farm, an owner who's a fairly local man who actually had died from the coronavirus. I'm not sure whether he, picked, whether he picked it up at Cheltenham or not. You know, who who knows where, where where they got it from.
2: I know a couple of people, but whether it was a Cheltenham issue or if they'd been in London... It's hard to say, and and I know that the chief medical officer from Ireland has said he hasn't seen a spike of people with coronavirus who went over to Cheltenham, bearing in mind there are thousands of Irish race fans who come over. So, yes, I'm sure there were people who caught it, and and there is evidence of that. But whether Cheltenham was actually to blame, I, I don't know.
0: But new official data shows the area around Cheltenham suffered a spike in coronavirus cases, Mortality figures put together by the Health Service Journal show that Gloucestershire hospitals, which cover Cheltenham, recorded almost double the amount of deaths than surrounding areas. Knowing what we know now, could more have been done?
1: Cheltenham Festival was stopped a few years ago because of foot and mouth. Cheltenham Festival isn't the be-all and end-all of, of life. You know, If Cheltenham Festival hadn't gone ahead, you know that, 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 that wouldn't have been the end of the world. But as it was, the government advice and the people who know best at the time said to keep going as normal. And we kept going for four days afterwards as well. You know, we ran the Cheltenham Festival and then we, we ran on the Saturday at Utoxeter, a big crowd at Utoxeter. We ran on Sunday, Monday and Tuesday. Yeah, we, we, we there were still racing, you know. It wasn't until after we got into the proper lockdown the the following week that Aintree then was called off, you know, probably 10 days after the Cheltenham Festival.
0: If you knew then what you knew now, would you have gone would you have brought your team along
1: well I'm very lucky you know all our boys and girls are very young and fit and well and I had plenty of owners there that were you know in their 60s and 70s so yeah if we were where we are now yeah I would have said going yeah probably it's difficult because we're we're talking hindsight again so you know it's 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 a totally different thing
0: but I mean if, if you knew all of that back then do you think you would have done it differently
1: well that's why we stopped racing why did Crofts go ahead? One hundred twenty thousand people indoors, and I am not trying to deflect the light from Cheltenham from the races because that's what we're talking about. But you know, Crofts went ahead the week after. In hindsight, would they would they have had Crofts? I don't know. How many people have got ill from Crofts? How many people have got in from Cheltenham?
3: There was still the um, big Champions League football match at Liverpool on the Wednesday night with Atletico Madrid, which I think people are really concerned about now, given that so many Spanish fans came into the country at that time. Which, in hindsight, seems pretty appalling decision so it's certainly um got bigger and bigger as time has gone on and i think the decision to sort of have cheltenham and certainly run it to its conclusion looks more foolish by the day almost
1: at the end of the day no one was actually forced to go to cheltenham we all had the same advice we all knew what was happening around the around europe if you were 75 and you're asthmatic and you went to cheltenham well you know that would have been a bit of a silly thing to do
0: The organisers of the Cheltenham Festival were following government advice. As a spokesman told us, the festival went ahead under clear and ongoing guidance from the government and its scientific experts, like other popular sporting events at Twickenham and Murrayfield, ten Premier League matches and the UEFA Champions League at Anfield in the same week. We promoted the latest public health advice and introduced a range of additional hygiene measures at the event. So should the government have acted sooner? When we asked... A government spokesman told us, it is our absolute priority to protect people's health and our advice on coronavirus is the result of direct, continuous consultation with medical experts. There are many factors that could influence a number of cases in a particular area, including population density, age and health profile and the position of an area on the pandemic curve. But just yesterday, the head of Horse Racing Ireland, Brian Kavanagh, said he thought they should have pulled the shutters down in middle of the festival before they got to the gold cup.
3: it certainly couldn't have come in a worse week. It was unfortunate because it, it, it was the last major sporting event to take place. Uh, should it have taken place with hindsight, probably
1: no. Uh, but that's that's that uh, everyone's wise after the event.
0: And what do you think the future looks like for horse racing and for big sporting events like this?
2: Well, I mean, I cover a wide range of sports, tennis, golf, horse racing, and numerous other events. And clearly, we're in very strange times as to how they can get the show back on the road, because racing employs 17,500 people. It drives significant revenue, but they are at pains to point they will not do it unless there is a clear indication from the government that they are able to resume racing.
3: I think it's going to be a long, long time before football fans and sports fans and rugby fans, whatever your sport may be, are going to be allowed back.
2: The French are talking about hoping to resume on May the 11th. Racing is hopeful to try in this country to get going sometime during May.
1: They want to hold Royal Ascot behind closed doors in June. And that's what we look forward to. And I'm fairly hopeful that we'll be back jump racing by then, even though it might be behind closed doors. It's going to be a long road back before we can see
2: race meetings, I'm sure, with the kind of crowd levels that we saw at Cheltenham. Bearing in mind there are not many of those, but during the summer, of course, you think of the Derby meeting, Royal Ascot, Newmarket Glorious Goodwood, the York Ebor. There are you hugely popular events attracting big crowds, but clearly it's very unlikely that we'll see any of those being conducted under the previous circumstances. It just doesn't feel as if that's going to be happening in the short term.
4: Tell me what it's been like in, in isolation since. I'm very busy. I signed for visor army, a lady from work called All Millionaires, and we've been making visors for NHS staff. So it's very busy. I'm working for eight hours a day, making visors for uh, hospitals, which... Um, gives me some purpose in in quarantine. I know I have to do 100 vices a day and it keeps me going so I'm actually busy for 18 hours a day. Would you feel safe going going back?
2: If the guidelines are in place and social distancing rules that we have to adhere to then I'm prepared to do it but until I know what the situation is i'm not like most other people going to put myself in undue risk i'm i'm over 60 so um i'm not going to be stupid and and charge around thinking that everything's going to be normal because um that is, would be plain daft and, and and ignorant of me
3: i will be absolutely desperate to get back to go and watch some live sport and I know it's not the be and end all as they say my wife works in hospital so I do have perspective on things but I I, I miss seeing live sport Um, so no I'd I'd, I would be more than happy to go back assuming it was safe and um, I think would probably um, need a bit more reassuring than we did a month ago
0: You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, horse trainer, Fergal O'Brien, milliner, Anna Gilder, racing commentator and analyst for TalkSport, Rupert Bell, and the Times sport writer, Rick Broadbent. You can read more of Rick's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producers were Ben Mitchell and Oliver Adamson. The executive producer is Leo Hornack and the deputy executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Carla Patella, Music by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review. You can subscribe for free. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and more. Also, in these uncertain times, you can access expert analysis on the latest developments in the coronavirus crisis with The Times' dedicated daily newsletter. Sign up for free at thetimes.co.uk slash coronavirus. See you tomorrow.
4: Listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot,
0: is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone.